Hello, and welcome to The Bookmark, a podcast of the Wabash Carnegie Public Library. I'm Rachel. And I'm Laura. And we are welcoming you to our 12th podcast. This is next month, Laura, will be a year of podcasting for us. That's wild. It is wild. That's really wild. It doesn't feel like we've been doing it for that long. It's our podiversary. I know I've used that before, but it's podiversary. It will be. I feel like we've learned a lot. We'll do the retrospective next month. How about that? That sounds great. The retrospective should be like the audio from the first episode put with the audio of like this episode. Oh, no. Maybe so I you should... can see how far we've come. Maybe I should use the audio of the first episode we recorded. Yes. But not the one we posted. Oh, that was such bad audio that we actually re-recorded that it's podcast true. because it was awful and there was nothing we because could do. Because neither of us knew what we were doing. At least we only do one take now. Yeah. Okay. So coming up in the month of August, we still have D&D on the second and fourth Thursday of the month. So if you're playing D&D, uh, Roll20.net is where we gather to play, and that'll be on the second and fourth Thursdays of the month at 6 p.m. If you're not already involved in that, but you would like to be, contact Cody at the library. You can email him. You can call him. You can stop in to visit. He'll give you details on what information he needs to enter your character into the system and have you ready to play. So contact him or just give us a call here and say, I have some D&D questions and we will make sure that it gets to the right through the right channels. We'll find so, someone who can answer them for you. Okay, so aside from D&D, we don't really have anything on the books, but I will say keep an eye out on our Facebook and our Instagram because sometimes in that month of August, one of us will come up with like a what I'll call a pop-up idea. So just keep an eye out on our Facebook or our Instagram. I tend to post the same thing to both. So whichever your preferred social media. All right. So I had a really hard time this summer. I, I did. Did not read as I'm much shocked. as I had hoped. I'm shocked that I completed the summer reading program. Yeah, because, I did And it's thanks to audiobooks. That's yeah. why. We decided that what we would like to talk about is our favorite comfort books. Let's define what we think of as a comfort book. Yes. First. Well, for me, a comfort book has to have a very happy or a very hopeful ending. Okay. I can't be left with a question mark. I can't be left with any kind of angst. It has to just be neatly tied up in a bow. And that does not have to be a happy ever after. It, just, it can be a happy for now. Uh-huh. It just has to be something that I can put down and walk away from without thinking that something else is going to happen quickly. So you left those characters in a good place. Yeah, left them in a good place. Mm-hmm. So it can be a series book, but it shouldn't be like part one or two in a trilogy. It gotcha. needs to be something that's not going to end in a cliffhanger. <laughs> I prefer it to make me laugh somehow. Okay. So it can be outright funny. It can be satirical. It just something that is going to cause me to smile. (laughs) And I don't have to laugh hard. I just have to be like, oh, that was good. And then I want it to take me out of myself enough that I stop thinking about whatever Mm -hmm. I want to stop thinking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then this is the thing that is the clincher. It also has to have a really good audio book. So oh, interesting. I expect the book to be good to read by itself 
Mm-hmm. And then I expect to be able to then hit play on the audiobook and have the audiobook be equally amazing to just listen to. So that's my criteria. That's interesting. For me, a book that feels familiar, mm-hmm. something that reminds you of a time or a place that makes you feel safe or positively nostalgic. Not that was a horrible time of my life. Yes, that reminds me of the most miserable time of middle school that I ever experienced. Yes, but something that makes you nostalgic in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Something that makes you feel warm and cozy. For me, it's also something that kind of, I love books that make me laugh, but also something that sort of reminds me why I love language. Mm -hmm. The books that I have written down as comfort books are ones that either evoke the time that I read them Or I can read it again and again and know that I'm going to feel good every time I read it. Or I'm going to feel safe or re-energized and inspired again. So that's that's what it is for me. So let's talk about those. Then maybe we'll do some slump buster advice toward the end. So what's your first comfort book? I have to clarify one more thing about my definition okay? because I can't let it go. Okay. I also have a variety of books that I keep because they're too precious to read for a time when it's very important that I need a book that will make me happy. That is separate from comfort read for me. Okay. So my first book is a series (laughs) because you can just pick any one of these and it will be delightful. Terry Pratchett's Discworld series. Okay. There are 41 fair. books. Very fair. They yep. all can be read separately. They can all be picked up at any moment. You don't have to read one before you read the next. They're fantastic. Yep. They're satire. Yep. They're hysterically funny. Yep. Um, and it's, it's just like they're written to make fun of us, like in this world. Mm-hmm. So there's one that like makes fun of fairy tales as a concept that we talk to children and they have a magic wand that turns everything into pumpkins. That's all it does. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're just so good. And uh, you can start almost anywhere. You can start with the Tiffany Aching series, which is in YA. That's what I started with. You can start with the witches who are just snarky and hysterical and they never pay for anything. Mm-hmm. You, a, a witch doesn't have to pay for anything. Things just appear that are there for them to use, but it's not stealing because they're witches. Because they're witches. And uh, there's also the Night Watch if you like a little mystery element. You've got uh, Sam Vimes. He is like in this little tiny watch house with three other people trying to keep the horrible city of Ankh-Morpork from lighting itself on fire, even though it's impossible. He's a delight. Um, Or you can start with the Wizards. Mm-hmm. And they have this tradition in the wizards called Dead Man's Shoes, where the only way to become a more powerful wizard is to kill the person who's in front of you. Yep. And so and- those are filled with hysterical attempts at murder that almost always fail. And their librarian is an orangutan. <laughs> it's great. They're fantastic in audio. Some of the audios are really old. Uh-huh. They're re-recording them. The new recordings are equally amazing. Um, and every time you listen to one, even if you listen to it over and over again... There's something new that's funny that you missed. Terry Pratchett is so funny. He's so funny. He was a gift. He was a genius. Yeah. And anyway, read well, his books. I'm going to shake up my order of things because he's also the author of one of my comfort Ooh. books. And that is Good Omens. Oh, that's a great by book. By Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. That's such a great book. Good Omens, I haven't read for a while. 
but it was one of the first, maybe the first Neil Gaiman book that I ever read. Mm-hmm. And I feel about him the way you feel about Terry Pratchett, yes. which is just so intelligent, so oh, yeah. measured, but so funny and subversively funny. And he's done everything. Trust me, you can't really go wrong with no, Neil Gaiman. Picture books that are hilarious. Yeah. And he has a middle grade, an early middle grade novel called um, Fortunately, Fortunately the, Milk, the Milk that I recommend to every parent yep. that's taking their kids on a road trip. Yep. Coraline. So Coraline is fantastic. Coraline is brilliant. But Good Omens is, I wrote, it's the timeless and classic tale of an angel and a demon working together to avert the apocalypse. Oh, they also have to find the Antichrist because yes. he's been misplaced. You know, as you do. You know. Uh, hilarity ensues. Yes. It's such a good it's book. So it's so funny. And it's so good. And the two of them together were so brilliant. Their styles work so seamlessly together. Yeah. And so I highly recommend oh, yeah. Good Omen. You know, another Neil Gaiman book that I love? My it's first a- Neil Gaiman was Stardust. Oh, Stardust is great. Stardust is a great book. And I actually watched the film mm-hmm. without knowing that it was a book. Uh-huh. And the film is hysterical. Yes. I highly, yes. highly recommend it. And then I went and bought the book and read that in one sitting. Uh-huh. It's not very long, but still it's me. So one sitting regardless. <laughs> And it was so good. Yeah. What's your next comfort book? Um, anyone who knows me would not be surprised that it is In Other Lands by Sarah Reese Brennan. <laughs> I almost put that book down it as is, a slump buster, actually. It is such a good book. It started out at, called Turn of the Story as a online little really long form storytelling thing that Sarah was writing as a writing exercise for people to read for free. Uh huh. So she was like, "Here, let me throw this up on my blog." And here, oh, here's another little scenario I'll throw up on my blog. And she was going through cancer treatment, and a friend was like, "You realize you wrote a book? You have a book on your website now." And another friend said, "Yeah, I have a publishing house. Do you want it in print?" And so it got a name change. It's in other lands, and it is a portal fantasy, but it's also a joke. Uh huh. Because every portal fantasy kind of starts the same way. Here's mm-hmm. this kid, and they seem perfectly ordinary, except they find this magic door or this gateway or this whatever, and they go through it, and only they can save humanity or, you know, whatever fantastical realm they're in. And even Stardust is a portal fantasy because yep. there's a there's a fence they go over yep. into this magical land. Yep. So, Elliot is the most annoying person. He's, he is this angry redhead pacifist. He um, is taken to a field where there is a wall. And it is him deciding to cross that and go to this camp in the woods where he meets a bunch of people who are training to be warriors. And he's a pacifist. So the snark levels are just excessive. Yeah. And it follows him from like age 13 to what, 16, something like that? Yeah. Maybe longer. Anyway. He and his friends are repeatedly saving the other lands, which is this new place, in hysterical ways. Here's my thing with In Other Lands. Three things stand out to me when I think of that book. The reason I say it's a great slump buster book is it has hilarious, quippy, snarky conversation. It's really, it's not complicated. It's really easy to get into. Two, I can never remember the name of it. I always think, what is that book by Sarah Reese Brennan that has the mermaid on the front? Yes. That is the 
only thing I can ever remember about that book. I can't ever remember the name of oh, it. Oh, nine times out of ten, I call it Into Other Lands, and it's in Other Lands. <laughs> but I know what book I'm talking about. Yes. Number three, nothing happens in that book. Yeah. So if, as a comfort read, yeah. as a thing you can go back to and just enjoy some witty banter. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for something with a complex plot, it is not no. the book for you. No, because it it's is mostly fun. character development. Yes. And while they do end up bringing actual peace to the other lands mm-hmm. through the course of the book, it's there's not really a lot of action. Not peace. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's one part. There's a lot more. of, there's a lot of not peace happening in other places. Yes, but not at their little but school. But not inevitable. Like, they're not confronting it. No. I say that and it sounds critical. I loved that book. I love it. I love that you can just sit down and pick it up at almost any place mm-hmm. and it's okay. You're fine. Read it's whatever on section. par with, and I don't know what your list looks like, but it's almost on par with Carry On. Yes. For me. Yes. Uh, by Rainbow Rowell. I went back and forth with that book because I could not figure out if I liked it or not. Mm-hmm. I liked the characters, but I couldn't tell if it was too Harry Potter derivative mm-hmm. or if it was satisfying to me. And it, I like it. I have come mm-hmm. down in retrospect on the I like that book. In other lands, I totally That's, understand it's fantastic. That. So I wrote on my list, I said that it just turns tropes on their heads so where you would expect the like strong guy warrior to be like misogynistic actually there's a lot of misandry coming from the elves who are a female dominant society so it's just switched yeah i just think that it's so funny when you read a lot of books that are set at magic schools you think what kind of adult or teacher who is responsible for children just lets (laughs) random kids go into a dungeon to fight a monster this school needs a child welfare investigation (laughs) this is the book for you it's true (laughs) because elliot is saying that out loud constantly it it's a good one it is i love that book my next one is a a a gigantic departure (laughs) from that and it's my all-time favorite book and also probably my all-time most comforting book and that is to kill a mockingbird it's my favorite book of all time it wasn't my favorite when i first read it in eighth grade it's my mother's favorite book is it yeah i did not care for it the first time i read it i reread it in college Mm -hmm. and fell head first in love with it yes it takes a while to kind of get to the parts that interest me the most. Mm -hmm. But Atticus is the kind of good that I want to believe all human beings can be. Yes. He is the, he is representative of regardless of what your, your culture believes, you hold to what you believe to be Mm -hmm. the right thing to do. And he's just a solid father figure, which you don't see a ton all the time. And for the time when that was written Mm -hmm. to have a single father be, a father. Yes. Was a big deal. And it is so much so my favorite book that I have never read, Go Set a Watchman. I have never read that the either. The follow-up that came no. out in 2013, 14. From what I've heard from at least two or three other people is that because Scout is an adult in the book, she sees Atticus with different eyes. Yeah. She's not hero worshiping her dad as a seven year old, mm-hmm. but seeing him as an adult. And while there may be some reality to the disillusionment of growing up, I need Atticus to be that hero. Yeah. I need to see him through those same eyes that Scout sees him through at the age of seven. Sure. And so I don't want to see the other side of no. him. So, probably the most 
popular quote from To Kill a Mockingbird is, I wanted you to see what courage, what real courage is. Instead of getting the idea that courage is a man with a gun in his hand, it's when you know you're licked before you begin, but you begin anyway and you see it through no matter what. And that's the most famous part of that. But Mm -hmm. the next line that Atticus says after that is, you rarely win. Yeah. But sometimes you do. Yeah. And it is, I get chills just saying it now because it's the most hopefully inspiring thing mm-hmm. to say. Because he's been sending, I don't know if you're familiar with the story, he's been sk- sending Scout to read to this woman who is trying to kick an addiction. And she knows that she's going to be in extreme pain until mm-hmm. she passes away. Yeah. If she doesn't take these painkillers. But she's determined to do it. Mm-hmm. And so he sent Scout to read to her, to distract her from her pain, mm-hmm. to show her this is what courage is. It's yeah. knowing this is going to be terrible. And you do it anyway. And you do it anyway. And it's that you rarely win. Like yeah. Sometimes you're not going to win. No. But sometimes you do. And I love that. I love there's a scene in the courtroom where the kids have kind of snuck in to watch what's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, they're with their, like, is a nanny or a housekeeper mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. who's who's close to them. And uh, they have their, I forget her name now, but she has them stand up. She goes, stand up, your father's passing. Yes. And that that moment gets me <laughs> in the feels every time. Yeah. I get choked up just thinking about that because everyone respects him yep. so much as a person. And I just think, oh, I love him. I love Atticus. He's fantastic. One of the great things, too, about that book, I think, is the fact that it does not end up where it starts. Not anywhere near it. You have no idea what you're in for. If you start here, you're not ending here. (laughs) And when I read that book, it reminds me vaguely of a book that is in no way, no way the same book, but it just the childhood aspect of it reminds me of Cold Sassy Tree. Did you ever read that? No. It's about a boy who's um, living in like the rural south and his grandfather decides it's time to get remarried after his wife has passed away and he marries someone who is the same age as his daughters and everyone hates it everyone's upset and it's like his grandfather's second youth and through this boy's eyes you see you know the negativity of the world Mm -hmm. and then people growing out of grief and I just like stories like that that are told from the eyes of a child It's not in anywhere. I mean, it's much more comical. It's much more written for entertainment. But seeing the world through the eyes of a child and then dealing with tough topics through that filter, Mm -hmm. I love that technique. Yes. And uh, Well, and I think that it's important to remember that there are really good books that see the world through the eyes of a child that aren't children's books. No, no. And and just because a child is the narrator does not mean it's appropriate for children always. Okay, Let's what's see. your next? Uh, c- we need to move along. We what's do. Your next comfort book. My next comfort book is possibly number one on my list of comfort books. It might be number one on my list of favorite books of all time. It might be the perfect book ever written, <laughs> and it is Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Winchell. Oh my goodness! I love Howl's Moving Castle <laughs> so much. It is perfection. I would never have chosen that, and I don't know why. It makes sense. It's perfection. It has everything that I love, including Welsh. I tend to be—I tend to gravitate towards fairy tales that are Welsh. <laughs> Howell is Welsh, um, but he nobody knows it. 
right in this because he is our he's already crossed the portal into this world um he's from our world he has entered this fantastical realm and are you uh, seeing any common threads in yes, laura's pitch i do love a portal fantasy <laughs> i love a portal fantasy so much i love a mystery and a portal fantasy that's the way to my heart is just hand me a portal fantasy that i haven't read i mean i've read most of them and so sophie who's the main character of this book she gets cursed accidentally and has to leave her family home to try and break the curse. But she can't tell anyone that she's cursed. And she ends up in Howell's castle, which can walk around and move. Mm-hmm. And it's connected to multiple dimensions. She meets up with a fire demon named Calcifer. And he is also cursed. And he says, let's make a deal. So she ends up being the housekeeper in this castle. And Howell is lazy. He's irresponsible. He's vain. And he lives in filth. And he spends all his money on fancy clothes. And Sophie just tries to take care of him. In the audiobook, Jenny Sterling reads it. And I think that that's the audiobook I have read the most of all audiobooks on my Audible. And I wish they had a listen count. Because I have fallen asleep to that every night since the first time I read this book, which was when I started working here. So (laughs) it's a lot. Well, I'm going to throw one out there that I don't have a ton of commentary for necessarily. It's just one of those sweet, gentle reads that has no nothing major, nothing dramatic, just a collection, basically. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's one narrative, but it's basically a collection of essays, and that's All Creatures Great and Small oh, that's, by James Harriet. Those are fantastic. It takes place in the English countryside. It is about animals and people and nothing dramatic is gonna put you on the edge of your seat nothing is panic inducing nothing makes you wonder if you know so and so is going to anything terrible is going to happen to them it now he's written several memoirs james harriet has he's a veterinarian the first book the one that all creatures great and small and chances are You've probably at least seen or heard of one of the Mm -hmm. miniseries adaptations of it. But the first book focuses on his first veterinary job outside of college. Yeah. And it's like almost a placement for him. He just takes an available position. Yeah. And so he is not from this area. He is not experienced farm life at all. It's just like, here you go. It is quirky. It's got some quirky characters in it. He's got some very remote country clients Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it just feels it's one of those books it just feels like everything's gonna be okay yeah you just some of them are funny some of them are heartwarming but there's nothing it's a i would call it a very gentle read yes but that's what makes it comforting to me if you cry at cotton commercials or (laughs) at dove hair commercials you will cry when reading james right i it makes some of them make me cry, like only one woof or only one bark. That that short thing, mm-hmm. that makes me cry. It's so real life in a simpler time and place that if you are an Anglophile of any kind, yes, if you already love like the cozy mysteries that we talk about, 
without the death, yeah. just the rolling just English the, countryside. Just the English countryside and a recurring cast of characters that you fall in love with. Yes. I think the beauty of that book too is that it is, because it's more a collection, I consider it more a collection of essays. It is. Than a full like arcing narrative. Because you can pull those stories out and yeah. people have done so and yeah. make them into picture books for children. So we Which have a makes few. it a comfortable, a comfort read for me Yeah, in that... You don't have to sit down and reread the whole no. thing, but you can pick any chapter basically, and it will comfort you in yes. some way. So, yeah, all creatures great and small. That's my my next book. book will come as no surprise to you because we talked about it earlier, and it's called Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey <laughs> McQuiston. I think I, that my read count on this book is something like twelve. <laughs> I had read it seven times before it actually was published because I had a pre-release copy of this. Um, and I read it over and over again because of the turkey scene. Yes. And because Alex is a disaster and we love him. <laughs> and uh, I love the family dynamic in that book. Mm -hmm. I love the friend dynamic in that book. It is hopeful. It is funny. I have thus far read the first three pages of the first chapter. Yes. So I can't speak to that specifically. But... I've enjoyed it thus far. Yes. <laughs> it is so funny. And it's hopeful. Mm -hmm. It's a hopeful book. And I just find it, I mean, it's so delightful. And you can just sit down and escape into a world where things aren't as horrible. Right. And, and everything works out. And there's it, happiness is there. And, mm -hmm. and it's not like... And even though it features... The son of the president and the son of the British prime minister. Yes. It is not political. Oh, he's a prince. He's a oh, prince. he's a prince. Yes, I'm son sorry. of son of the uh, well, grandson of the queen. So the equivalent oh, of okay. like sorry. Harry or Will. Gotcha. Yes, uh, I knew it was something British. Yes. Anyway, uh, but not politically depressing. No, it's not. It's it's mostly about like what happens when there's a huge political mistake publicly. Um, you you misstep. And you have to do the cleanup. Like if you said something on a hot mic that was a mistake or you, you know, accidentally lose your temper in a crowd. You know, something yeah. random that yeah. happens when you are in the political eye and you have to clean that up. Right. You've got to spin it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how this starts. And I won't go into it anymore. Um, but I just I don't know that I'll be able to watch the film. They're filming it now. Oh, are they? I don't know that I'll be able to watch it because it's so perfect. I don't need a movie. Right. Um, and I don't know if a movie would be just be like, uh, if it would take away something for me. So we'll see. But uh, I, I really love that book. Let me transition that by saying that my next one, I felt the exact same way about. And then the movie turned out to be brilliant. Okay. But... I could watch it. I don't know. We'll see. My, uh, this is one of my last, but uh, it's Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, yes. That's a great book. And it's proof, I think, that not all comfort books have to be light and fluffy. Exactly. Necessarily. There's some heavy stuff in Perks. Oh, yeah. It came out in 1999. Mm -hmm. So I, in February of that year. So I was yeah. 19. I didn't read it right away. I didn't read it until I was probably 22 or 23, maybe. Mm -hmm. It was the first book that I read. It's the book I believe kind of laid the groundwork for John Green. I agree. Um, yeah. And for others like them. But it was the first book that I read that made me go, 
Oh yeah, that is what it feels like to be a teenager. Yes. That's what it feels like. And so in this book, Charlie is struggling with a lot of stuff, but he's kind of awkward and an outsider and he gets befriended by some kids who are a little older than him, Sam and Patrick. And mm -hmm. they he starts to really learn what it means to have really good friends, but they're also then graduating and mm -hmm. moving on and leaving him behind. And so he's, he's dealing with that kind of in-between uh, place of growing up and and facing things some things that kids we probably feel like shouldn't have to face but mm -hmm. then also just mental health things yeah. which nobody was really talking about in 1999 no. not that as much was, as that was a big huge book to start that yeah. conversation is so a speak yes by Lori Hall Sanderson yes it it featured lines like so this is my life and I want you to know that I'm both happy and sad, and I'm still trying to figure out how that could be. Yeah. And I don't think I've grown out of that no. necessarily. It just, it deals with that kind of tension, holding that tension. Yes. Um, it also has, I would die for you, but I won't live for you. Yeah. Which is a line that I love. Yeah. And for, as a person who struggles with boundaries. Yes. <laughs> that's such a thing to remember for me mm -hmm. and then of course in that moment I swear we were infinite yeah which is I think it was the first time I had read a book and went in one sentence you've captured what it feels like to be that kid in that moment yes you feel like that that's it yeah um and so I think like I said I think it it laid a groundwork for YA yeah it redefined YA yes that hadn't existed before, but also let you get into not just the actions of a kid, of what it felt like to be, didn't just let you read about a bunch of kids doing things either you and your friends were doing or you wished you were, mm -hmm. but got inside your head to the point that you went, this person understands how I f it feels to be yeah. this. And a more compassionate way of writing the mental and emotional struggles of being a teenager. True, true. Um, and I I love that book. And Looking for Alaska kind of ranks on my list as well. Yes. But, but because of the nostalgic significance mm -hmm. of Perks, I think. And that movie is really good. I still have never watched that. It's really good. I will watch it. Um, my love for the book surpasses it, of mm -hmm. course. But the book is – or the movie is – is really lovely as well. So that's my, the last of my real, I have an honorable mention category. I do too. Okay. Do you want to What's just yours? List, do you want me to list them? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. It. My honorable mentions are The Raven Cycle by mm -hmm. Maggie Steve Potter, mm -hmm. which I, again, can listen to in audio at any moment. And we talked about a bit in the last episode. So if you haven't yes. listened to episode 11, Grab um, the Raven Cycle yeah. or get it in audio. Will Patton's the narrator. He is an actor whose voice is just on point. Yeah, yeah. Listen to those. Um, Maureen Johnson's Truly Devious series or Stevie Bell Mysteries. Mm -hmm. Still um, haven't read them. They're fantastic. It's, You've it's, been um, talking about them since podcast episode two. I think so, yeah. And I um, still and haven't. They're great on audio. Um, I think that being a weird, anxious kid and now a weird, anxious adult, I feel like Stevie Bell's really relatable. <laughs> anyway, I find her delightful, and I find Maureen Johnson delightful, so read those books. Okay. The Rook by Daniel O'Malley. 
I've checked that book out twice on your recommendation and still haven't read it. The audio of that is terrible, so don't read don't okay. read the audio. Um, the woman who does the narration has a lovely voice, but she speaks with the same kind of inflection with every oh. sentence, and mm-hmm. it's just not that's not okay. They switch narrators for the second book. She was lovely, um, and then of course all of Agatha Christie. Ah. Although I will put a little oh. asterisk there saying. Those books were written at a different time. Certain things that are written in those books, I do not support or agree with. Mm -hmm. And if you are upset by racist language and terms, please do your research before you pick her books up. Mm. Good call. Yes. Okay. So uh, my honorable mention is not one specific book, but just a category of books, and that's cookbooks. Oh, cookbooks are great. (laughs) Cookbooks are my other comfort. I think I have three of them checked out right yep. now because they're just so wonderful. I um, If I am in a place where I just need to let go and I can't even invest myself in a James Harriet story, yes. I will grab either a Magnolia Table cookbook mm-hmm. or I have... I have a cookbook called the Dude Diet Cookbook yes. that I love because the pictures are fantastic, but also... The recipes are really interesting yeah. in it. There's the Ottolenghi cookbooks that are gorgeous, almost like art books combined with cooking. It, exactly. I find sometimes cookbooks are almost like aspirational yes. and very aesthetic. Yeah. And you can just sit and immerse yourself yeah. into what it would it be like to eat this meal, even if you have no intention yep. of ever cooking. Nine times out of ten, I will find recipes I cook on the internet. Yes. Cookbooks are comfort food for my brain yes they are and uh i also love going back and looking like at the the red betty crocker yeah classic cookbook oh yeah um looking at what people in different decades and and different eras were eating um so yeah cookbooks are my other yes i am with you there i love that that's so fantastic (laughs) Okay, so let's quickly kind of talk about a couple of books that maybe help if you are in a place like these are books that we go back to over and over again, a lot of times because we need to feel a very specific thing that we already know those books will make us feel. But if you're in a place where you just think, I don't, I don't want to read something I've already read before. I need to read something that will break me out of this funk. Or I feel like I'm reading all the same books. What's something different that I can try that'll break this? And so to me, the things that make a really good slump breaker, and and every time that I have had this issue, I have read a book that is recommended to me by someone else. So either you have recommended it to me, Mm -hmm. um, one of our other coworkers, or somebody on like a YouTube video or a blog of some sort. I will take recommendations because I don't like the idea of like cold checking a book out that (laughs) I don't know anything about and no one has recommended because I feel like that doesn't – I just trust the people around me, either people I know or don't know, to make some recommendations that will appeal to me more. And I feel like that's changed for me since I started working in libraries Mm -hmm. because before that, I would just check out whatever. Yeah. I would just go down a shelf and just take <laughs> out a stack. 
Yeah. But for me now, even when I go to a bookstore, I am not looking at books I have never seen before. I am saying, here is the list of books that have been well-reviewed or spoken of around the staff room. Yeah. These are the ones I yeah. want to see. And that, I mean, I even do a book subscription through Patreon of with a blogger that I like who will say, what are you in the mood for? And then yeah. she spits out a book title. And that's that's the book of the month. So for me, what makes a slump buster book is an interesting premise, which kind of feels like it goes without saying. Some punchy dialogue, because I like witty banter a lot. Creative or minimal exposition. Yes. I am a fan of character-driven stories more than plot-driven stories. Yeah. So if you have a ton of exposition or world building, make it creative and interesting, not just blocks of explanation. Yes. The last thing is familiarity. So Mm -hmm. for me, if it's a series that I'm already familiar with, or if it's a version of characters I already know. Yeah. We're talking like, this is not one I put down, but if it's Anthony Horowitz, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Cool. I could read that quickly because I already know who Sherlock Holmes is. And you may change it up a little bit, but I'm already familiar with that world. Mm -hmm. So that kind of thing. Or if it's a novelization of a television series or movie, like Star Wars novels or whatever, you can build on mythology, but you're already in a world that I know. True. That's a quick way to break me out. It's kind of a cheat code, really, to break Mm -hmm. me out of a slump. And I have several of them over the last year that we've already talked about on the podcast. And I'm not going to – I'll mention them. But if you want to know how I really felt about them, go back to past episodes because I've talked about them at length. The Thursday Murder Club. That's a great one. Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle was another one. The Louise Penny books. I went on a run with those after not being able to get into anything. Yeah. And then When Women Were Dragons by Kelly Barnhill just a couple of, well, it was the week before summer reading started, which I think kind of handicapped me for summer reading because I finished it before I could start logging my minutes. Yeah. It was so good and I finished it in under a week. So those were some in the in the last year, The Midnight Library yeah. by Matt Haig, which in part is pretty short. So mm-hmm. that helped. It didn't take me very long to get through it. It's not super long. And it moves very quickly. It also gave me things to think about without feeling heavy. Yeah. I mean, it deals with some pretty heavy subject matter, but never feels like it, or you're weighted down with it. It has some lines like, you don't have to understand life. You just have to live it. It was inspiring to me mm-hmm. in a way to be like, hey, regardless of what life you've lived, you can always move forward from today. Yeah. Midnight Library is about a woman named Nora who's in a pretty dark place in her life. And she finds herself inside the Midnight Library, which is a place that kind of hangs between life and death. And you can experience all of the possible lives you could have lived. So, for instance, she was a swimmer when she was a kid, so she gets to experience life as an Olympic swimmer. She was in a band with her brother, so she gets to experience life as a rock star. Um, And each book is a different life she could have lived, and so she gets to see how all of those things play out and, and basically how all those people are interconnected and we did the this book or book discussion last year in the fall they it was a series of books that really kind of gave me oh this is fun but also kind of after a year and a half to two years of being very disconnected from people Mm -hmm. reading books about connection 
and the importance of connection when I was in a place where I was kind of like, eh, don't get too close to me. Like, you know, we, we still need to be careful, arm's length, all of, and, and I think naturally we all kind of, as we took a physical step back, kind of also took a, an emotional step back from mm-hmm. people. And so that book I read at a time, I think that was the thing is it was so timely for me to be like, oh, it is kind of important to have other people around and to be connected to other mm-hmm. people. Well, my definition of a slump buster book is different from you. <laughs> um, I am not looking for writing as much. I, I mean, if I am having a hard time reading and settling down to read a book, uh-huh. it's because usually I cannot concentrate enough mm-hmm. to read. Mm-hmm. So I will, if I have a print book, sit and read like two sentences and then wander away. Mm-hmm. Three sentences and then wander around away. A page and then wander away. It is not um, something I can focus on. And we can delve into whether or not I have ADHD later. But what I have to do then is look for something completely different. And for me, that something is graphic novels. And so especially early on in the pandemic when I could not focus on anything, Mm -hmm. I started downloading a few on Hoopla just to see what they were. Um, Because I really, I don't always read comic or graphic novels it's not necessarily always on my list sometimes it's the art is not appealing to Uh me I won't look at them sometimes I think I don't know where to start with a series Uh but I dove headfirst in and some of those have been really helpful to me like mooncakes is a great one Mm -hmm. it's a little um, fantasy about a girl who lives with her grandparents in a bookstore and it's just adorable there's another, The Magic Fish. Mm-hmm. That one was beautiful. It's a boy living in America with his mother and their immigrants. And he is bilingual. Oh, she okay. has not yet learned English. So he's helping her learn English through fairy tales. Oh, nice. And she is sharing her story with him through Korean fairy tales. Oh, that's cool. And it's gentle and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then if you just want nothing but like cottagecore beauty, you need the Tea Dragon Society. <laughs> And it is a world where, like, you learn to take care of these tiny little dragons that are about the size of a house cat. And they're soft. And from their backs grow little tea leaves that if you are very gentle, the dragon will let you take. And then you brew magic tea. And the dragon's names are different blends of tea names. Like, there's a chamomile dragon. There's an oolong dragon. I mean, they're the most adorable thing Aww. on the earth. I want a tea dragon. Well, and, yeah. And literally nothing happens in those books. <laughs> nothing happens. It is just about atmosphere and just mood. And they will, if I read enough graphic novels, like if I have a stack and I read a few, I can seamlessly transition into reading books again. Mm-hmm. And because they let, they teach me to concentrate again. Yeah. When I couldn't do that before. They also give you a dopamine injection of I've completed something. Yes. It's not I started this and I couldn't finish it. It's I read this in one sitting. Yes. And part of them involves staring at a page. Mm -hmm. So when I have a print book that is just prose Mm -hmm. and I'm staring at the page, I'm getting nothing from it. But if I have a graphic novel and I have to stare at a page... I am gathering something from that. 
and getting more from the story than I would if I just read text Mm -hmm. and just kept turning the page. A great one to start with is Nimona. Mm -hmm. Um, It is hilarious. It's an evil wizard. And he Mm -hmm. has a person come, Nimona, and she goes, hey, I want to be your sidekick. Can I be your sidekick? How about you let me be your sidekick? And she's annoying enough that he can't get rid of her. And so she stays. And it turns out Nimona can turn herself into anything. Oh. So she can be a dragon. She can be a chair. You know, she can be anything. (laughs) And her magic is kind of out of control, as is her personality. Uh This wizard is facing off against his nemesis. And Nimona's like, I'll help. And hijinks ensue. And there's more story to it than you expect when you start reading it. And I love it. It's mm-hmm. so good. Kate Beaton has a book called Hark a Vagrant. A Vagrant. Mm-hmm. She also did web comics with the same title. Okay. Read Kate Beaton. She wrote okay. The Princess and the Pony, the most adorable picture book of all time. <laughs> I have a stuffed pony from that book. And now it's a it's a um, cartoon series on Apple TV. Aww. Which I subscribed to specifically so that I could watch. Princess and the Pony. Nice. Which is, I think is called Pony and Pinecone or Pinecone and Pony on Disney Plus, but it's adorable. The other slut buster that I will recommend to you that did this, I read this one I think two or three years ago now. It's not new in any way, but it kind of fits into that whole familiarity mm-hmm. thing for me. And that's the Lunar Chronicles oh, by Marissa Meyer. Oh, that's a great series. And it's it's a fractured fairy tale series. Mm-hmm. I picked up the first one, which is Cinder, mm-hmm. um, because I love me a fractured fairy tale. Yes. I love a story that takes a classic tale that I am uber familiar with. Absolutely. And finds a fun and different way to tell it. And so this one is also, it was a little sci-fi. It was a little fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's a little steampunk. It's a little... Um, like cyberpunk. Sci- In fact, I wrote cyberpunk feels a little bit like Firefly. Yes, it Do you does. Remember the series yes, Firefly. Um, so Cowboy Bebop. If you've yes. ever watched that um, yes. anime, and so it combines a lot of Eastern and Western sensibilities. Yes. It's just a fascinating way of doing things. And so even in the parts where, like, I started Cinder knowing where we were ending up. Yeah. I mean, obviously. But it doesn't matter. It's Cinderella. I know where we're going, Mm -hmm. but I want to know how you take a cyborg and get her from being like a cyborg mechanic to being the princess fleeing from the ball at the end. Yeah. And, And she does it and it's great. And then you move on from Cinder to Scarlet, which is Little Red Riding Hood. And it's a completely seems like it's going to be a separate story but weave so brilliantly i know and the way she got those books those characters together yes yes was fantastic yeah and then you have crest which plays on rapunzel and winter which plays on snow white and it's such a and there's other there have been other books there's been graphic novels yes um hearts and wires is that what the hearts and wires and that is following cinder's android friend whose name i can't remember right now Uh, aiko yes her name but that series is so like it's not gonna change your world it's not earth shattering no but but it it is so good and if you want to just lose yourself in books sit down and like vacation you want a book to take on vacation better take the whole series because you will just whip through those they're so good 
Yeah. And I got into me who at the time, I think I probably hadn't read a book in two months because Mm -hmm. I just couldn't get focused. And then I read four of them in two weeks. Yeah. I mean, and there is a prequel. Yes. There's um, a collection of short stories. Yes, that's one stars above. Yes, the um, fairest. Fairest, yeah, that's the fairest. That's the, the um, prequel, and that's a novella, so that's not as yeah. long as them. And then and she also very, has... very cool. I that one has such a different tone than yeah. the other books that when you start reading it, you think this is creepy, and <laughs> I did not expect that from Marissa Meyer. Yeah, she I, has two other standalone yeah. fractured fairy tale stories too, because she has retellings of Rumpelstiltskin yes. and Alice in Wonderland. Yes, but I think it's is it the Queen of Hearts instead of Alice. Yes, it's the Queen of Hearts. Yeah, and then she also has a re- her Renegade series, which yes. is completely not fairy tale. Yes, it's but its also thing. fun. So super good. Fun. Yeah, it's a superhero thing. So basically, Marissa Meyer in general. Yeah, but, just hit up Marissa Meyer's books. But if the you Lunar Chronicle series, I and I know we're not the only ones here who have read it. Um, Hannah Spalding, who used to work here, uh-huh. who is not that's not her last name anymore. <laughs> so I can say her last name. Um, she loved Cinder so much. And I had ordered them for the YA collection, but thought, this is not for me. And I think it was the cover, the first yeah. cover. I just was like, this is not my vibe at all. Mm-hmm. It is just not for me. Which is hilarious because the cover is the reason I picked it up yes. in the first well, place. Well, it was, it was really funny. So she just kept recommending it. And by the end of that day, I had read The Whole of Cinder yeah. and was now fighting with people to get onto the hold list for it's the next so one because they were all checked out right then. But and that is so a good. YA series. Yes. Um, and it is a world that takes a lot of your favorite fairy tales and weaves them all in together. And if you like a dystopian, yeah, this is a good one to pick up because yeah. there are elements of that in this series. Yeah. And I don't know. It's she just really surprised me yeah. with these. Yeah. And I was not expecting to be surprised by a story I know so well. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that. No, it's 100% they're great. true. They're great. We offer something called Reader Advisory yes. here at the library where we are happy to help you find books to break your slump. Yep. Um, there's a forum on our website for adult books. You can do the same thing for YA. I have kind of opened that up now. So if you're an adult and you want YA book racks, you are welcome mm-hmm. to ask me for those and I will work on that too. And if um, you're a teenager and you want adult book racks, absolutely. Like you don't want to read YA or you feel like you've read it all. Just um, tell us. Yeah. Let us know. And with the adult one, you can choose either mm-hmm. to have a bag that is given to you with with recommendations two to three books and each time you return those books abby will put together another bag yes. for you so it's not a monthly thing it's mm-hmm. a it's on your timetable or you can just say hey i don't know how quickly i'm gonna get to these books can you just give me like five to ten books that i might want to read yeah give me a list and we'll just do a book list Absolutely. for you and and, and with- take it at your own pace find those books wherever you can yeah they will be books that we have that you have access to through us so either printed or digitally yes but and abby has shown me books that we have had that i have never touched yeah and never thought about <laughs> yeah um, she's done that for my mother as well and we have ended up finding books we really enjoyed that we had never looked at before yeah. abby found a series that i really enjoyed it was a, a sherlock holmes like story mm-hmm. and it it the seven percent solution i found at a little bookstore as a kid 
in Bloomington when my parents took us down to IU's campus and it's like in the courthouse square. There's a little bookstore there that if you're in Bloomington, you should visit because it's the best. But we bought this book, The 7% Solution, and it was Sherlock Holmes meets Sigmund Freud. Oh, dear. Well, it was about working through cocaine addiction, which Freud did a lot of work with that. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Sherlock Holmes famously used drugs. So I thought that book was so good. I read that over and over again because I was the weird kid that read Sherlock Holmes. Abby found that that fellow who wrote the book, Mm -hmm. whose name I now have forgotten completely, but it'll be in the show notes, had written multitudes of other books like that that I had no idea that he it was a series I thought that was a one-off and this fellow went on to work on Star Trek and he's awesome I like his he he wrote either he wrote or he directed the undiscovered country which is my favorite original Star Trek movie Nicholas Meyer Nicholas Meyer he's wonderful did you know they also made that movie or that book into a movie in 1976 yes I did and I'm not watching it because they made it into a movie in 1976 (laughs) Fair enough. <laughs> I don't expect good things. But he has like the Canary Trainer and a bunch of other ones in that series that I didn't think was a series. And Abby found it and said, I think you'll like this. And I said, you found a what, huh? <laughs> Here's the thing. With Reader's Advisory, either the adult one or with teen, mis- what are they called? Teen, teen book bags. Book bags. As a teen, you get a YA book and you also get some other goodies. Yes. As an adult, you get a YA book. Upstairs... I know we have several people who have taken advantage of that. Here's the thing. Here's the advice I will give you with Reader's Advisory and with with teen book bags. The more specific you can be, the better chance Abby and Laura have of finding you something you like. So, and they'll, they're going to ask you things about what kind of books do you like, but also what kind of movies do you like? What Mm -hmm. kind of television shows do you like? Why do you like those things? What kinds of books did you, other books do you like? Mm -hmm. What authors do you like? Yeah. Specifically, what do you not like? Yeah. Your feedback after the fact is also really important with Reader's Advisory, but it's, I highly recommend both of those programs. And if for some reason you don't want to take part in something like that, you just want to pop in and be like, I don't know what to read. There are several people that I talk to upstairs, especially where if I'm at the desk, the person will just walk in and go, what should I read next? Yeah. And we'll do that for you. We will. And for the most part, I mean, we're fortunate in being a small enough library that we we kind of, if you're a regular library user, or sort of have a feeling yeah. for what you normally check out. But even if we don't, we may ask you a couple of questions, but mm-hmm. chances are one of us will be like, well, I just read this and it was really good. Yeah. Um, or, well, I don't know about this, but it looks like something you would like. Sure. And so we're happy to do on-the-fly recommendations as well, but if you want something that's a little more specific. Personalized and customized for you. Yes. But if you give me a piece of paper that just says that the books you like are Harry Potter and the Hunger Games, you're going to get out of that what you've put in. <laughs> I mean, it's a thing we love. Reading is a thing that we love. Yes. Which may feel like an obvious statement to you, but sometimes I think in the modern library world, it gets lost a little bit yeah. that reading is our fundamental yes. passion. And so uh, not only do we like to read, but we like it when you read and we like to share. And, so. and we love when you come in and you say, I just read this and it is so good. Because yes. I have found a lot of books um, from patrons who've come in to mm-hmm. say, oh my goodness, Laura, this one's great. Yep. 
And I may never have picked that book up, The, the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, something yes. like that. Which um, I'm also currently reading. Yes. Names of books don't always stay, but the covers, <laughs> I remember the covers. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn yes. Hugo. Yes. Yes. Anyway. By great. Taylor Jenkins Reid. Great book. I would never have touched that if yeah. I hadn't had a patron tell me mm-hmm. that I should. That was also a book that came up on a bunch of slump buster yes. lists for me. Right now, I'm kind of in that place where I'm in an abundance of riches when it comes to books that I want to read yeah so I have to focus myself a little bit but what a terrible problem to have exactly (laughs) just so you're aware Um, we are closed on Labor Day which this year is I don't know when the 5th of September we will be closed for Labor Day so it will drop the day before the September podcast so yeah uh September 5th we will be closed otherwise and we may have a closure in there for a staff oh yeah a staff training day staff training day Wednesday Wednesday the third yeah tomorrow so we may be closed tomorrow (laughs) yeah double check our social media if you're listening to this on the day it drops on August 2nd, yes. because we may be closed on the 3rd for staff training, but we're not entirely sure yet if we're going to be closed the whole day or not. Yes. So just um, go ahead and watch our social media just in general. Yeah. And of course, if you want information about library closures that are abnormal, we have a text alert system. Yes. You can hit up our website and sign up for those. There's a button on the main page, and you can choose just to get information about library closures, or you can choose to get information about programming for all ages. And we're, as we said, we're kind of in a reset period right now, but we will be announcing soon fall programming. And so if you want to make sure that you know when fall programming goes up, yes. subscribe to Text Alerts Absolutely. for that purpose as well. All right. Well, I don't have any surprise parties or anything else to throw. No, not no, this so. month. <laughs> Not this month. Not this month. So make sure you like and subscribe and share with your friends. Let us know what direction you want us to go. If there's a topic you want us to talk about, Laura has been thinking up topics for future podcasts. We'll see where we go in our one-year Potiversary celebration next month. But for this month, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Bye. So awkward in 80s is the problem. Yeah. (laughs) That could also be used to describe me. (laughs) Putted in. Is inputted? Entered? Yeah. Input. Inputted. Inputting. I think you're fine. You're fine. I think I'm having a stroke. You're fine. It's okay. You're not having a stroke. You have none of the other signs or symptoms. (laughs) I think if you take something away from this podcast, it's that I was a very bizarre child, and the fact that I've made it to adulthood without ending up in some kind of care home for those with very weak constitutions yes. says a lot. Yes. <laughs> I made it to adulthood, though. I'm here. <laughs>